and I printed them out. It was only after I printed them out that I realised that I hadn't put the notes answers in upside down on the, in the back page. So you are going to have to pay attention this morning. Can't make it too easy, can we? What would church... Sorry? Put them online. Yes. Great. How do I do that? Well, welcome to the final instalment of Daring Faith. It's a journey that we've been on in discovering what uh, daring faith is, what it looks like, how it can be outworked in our lives. So this is part 11 of Daring Faith. And this morning's message is daring to go in faith. Everyone say that, daring to go in faith. Daring to go in faith. I just want to give a quick plug for next Sunday. Next Sunday, we will be kicking off a new series called The Four Cups. And I want to say it's uh, probably going to be one of the most impacting series that we've done as a church. And uh, I want to say that also that there's still time to be a part of a connect group, one of our small groups, small groups, small groups, small groups. It's going to be one of those mornings. I just feel it in my liver, you know what I mean? Um, it's going to be, I just want to you know, encourage, we've got uh, small groups at Malang, Strathalban, and in Mount Barker, uh, and just really encourage you, if you don't know where they are, please see me afterwards, and I can certainly put you into uh, one of those connect groups, because I believe that as you make a commitment to walk through life with a small group of people, that you actually get the support, the love, and the care and the challenge that we sometimes need to walk through life in. Amen? So let's, uh, let's launch into this morning. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that you're here already, that you're speaking to people and changing lives. I thank you that, Lord God, you will be glorified through all of this. And Lord, that your kingdom will be extended because we dare to go in faith in Jesus' name. Amen. If we were to use two words to sum up the message of Jesus, I think we could use these two words. And these are the blanks that you'll need to fill in. Come and go. Come and go. Everyone say that. Come and go. Come and go. To the hurting, to the confused, to the lost, the broken the frustrated and the sick, Jesus says, come. To those who've encountered his love and received the gift of eternal life, Jesus says, go. Before we know Jesus, Jesus invites us to come. In Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30, it says this, <clears throat> if you're tired from carrying heavy burdens, come to me and I will give you rest. Take the yoke I give you, put it on your shoulders and learn from me. I am gentle and humble and you'll find rest. My yoke is easy to bear and my burden is light. But once we are in God's family, the word changes. In Luke 7 verse 50, it says, Jesus says, your faith has saved you, now go. See, before we're a Christian, before we come to know Christ, Jesus says to come. And even like when we are a Christian, we need to come to God for various things. But there is a command from God that sometimes he says, that, you know, there's a time for us to go as well. We need to go. 
In James 2 verse 17 it says, Any faith that doesn't lead us into, uh, to, to go into action with good deeds is worthless. It's dead and it's useless. You see, God is in the business of telling people to go. He told Noah to go build an ark. He told Abraham to go to a new country. In Hebrews 11 verse 8 it says, It was by faith that Abraham obeyed God's call to go. So Abraham left the country that he was in, not even knowing where he was going to go. All he knew was that God had told him to go and he needed to go. So he just launched out where he needed to go. God told Jacob, go to your relatives. God told Moses, go forward with the people. God told Jonah to go to Nineveh. And God told Joshua, Gideon, David and Paul the very same thing. He said, go. So God's invited us to be a part of a party that is actually going to last forever. Jesus told a story to actually explain this. So in your notes, you've got this large portion of Scripture in Luke 14, verses 16 to 24. There are certain bold phrases that you need to circle in, uh, in your notes this morning. And I'll go to those when, I'll tell you what they are when we get there. So here we go, Luke 14, verses 16 and 24. You ready? Good. A powerful and generous man prepared a great banquet and invited many special guests. But when he was ready, he sent his servant to go and tell. So circle, go and tell. Those invited to come. He says, when we're ready, he sent his servant to go and tell those invited to come. For everything is now ready. But they all began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go to see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just acquired five pairs of oxen and now I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another one said, I just got married so I can't come. And when the servant reported this, the owner of the estate became angry and told his servant, go quickly, circle go quickly, into the streets and the alleys of our city and bring in, everyone circle bring in, bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame as my guests. The servant said, master, we've already done this, but there's still room for more, circle still room for more in your banquet. The master said, then go out of our city, circle, go out of our city, to the roads and the country lanes, go everywhere, circle, go everywhere, and invite everyone to come, circle, invite everyone to come. Are you getting a picture? So that my house will be half full. Sorry? Full. Oh, sorry, I misread that. I don't know what happened then. So my house may be full. I promise you this, not one of those people who ignored my invitation will ever get to taste what I had prepared for them. Church, God has prepared a generous banquet for us all. And this party will last for eternity in heaven. The food is nothing like we have ever tasted before. God's planned this because he is gracious and generous and he wants his house full. So this morning I want us to look at three things that's come out of this, this particular passage. Number one, God says people will regret. 
people will regret not accepting his invitation. Luke 14.24 says, Not one of those people who ignored my invitation will ever get to taste what I had prepared for them. At Infused Church here, we don't want anyone to come to the end of their life and regret not accepting God's invitation of eternal life. So we are willing to do whatever it takes to show and tell people about the unconditional love of God because we are a soul-winning church. We are a soul-winning church. That's who we are. We don't get them saved, but we invite them, we bring them so that God can speak to them and they yield their hearts to what God wants them to do and to, that they can then live their lives for God. We are a soul-winning church. Secondly, from that passage, the excuses that people gave were all lame. They were lame excuses. Let's face it. They were all lame. I bought a field. I got a cow. I've married my sweetheart. I was a pause between I got a cow and I married, okay? I just, just wanted to clarify that. Just wanted to clarify it, okay? All right? I'm just, just saying, just saying. I, there, was a pre, there was a pause. There was an appropriate pause. <laughs> oh, you guys are going to get me in trouble, I tell you. These excuses were lame. They were lame, <laughs> Though their excuses were lame, let's not be. And let's commit ourselves to keep walking through life with these people. They may say no to us, but we're not going to say no to them and say, well, because you won't accept the invitation that we're giving you to come to, to Infuse Church, we're not, you're not accepting Jesus to be your Lord and Savior. Well, that's it. I'm just going to cut you off and walk away and no longer be friends. We need to continue to walk in fellowship. We need to continue to walk in relationship with these people. Because they've got to see that there's a difference that the Christian life can make in a person's life. We've got to continue to walk with them. Because one day they may say yes, and we need to be there ready for them. Amen? Thirdly, as his servants, our job is to bring in the guests. Our job is to bring in the guests. Jesus says to us, everyone say us. He's saying to me this morning. Go and tell, go quickly, bring in, go out of our city, go everywhere, invite everyone to come. God is saying to us that he wants us to be go-getters. Who wants to be a go-getter this morning? Okay, I'm just going to take down all your names. No, we, we, we need to be go-getters. We need to have the attitude of a go-getter. What is a go-getter? A go-getter is someone who's determined to succeed and willing to work hard to achieve it. God wants us to be go-getters for the kingdom of God because God wants his house full. So we've got to be go-getters. We are, our job is to bring in the guests. So there's four things that we need to do in daring faith this morning. You ready for four things? Four things. Ready? Excellent. Number one, we are going to go to God for help. We are going to go to God for help. 
Because I'll be, I'll be real with you, we need God's help. We need God's help to get stuff done. We're not attempting to go in daring faith or achieve our vision and mission as a church in our own power. We are going to go to God for help. We must go to God for help. In, in 1 Chronicles 16, 11, it says, Go to the Lord for help and worship Him continually. That would be great if we just left it there. If it's only just mentioned in there once, we've got something to back up what we're saying, that we need to go to God for help. But there's so much more. Psalm 34 verse 10 says, Those who go to the Lord for help will have every good thing. Psalm 37 verse 40 says, God helps them and rescues them and saves them from the wicked because they go to Him for protection. Ephesians 3 verse 12 says, We can go to God with bold confidence through faith in Christ. In Psalm 34 verse 22 it says, No one who runs to Him loses out. In other words, We've got to go to God for what we need to do in bringing in the guests to his house. We need to, to, if we're going to do anything of of daring faith, we've got to do it with God. We've got to go to God for help. We need to go to God to to win the loss. We need to to go to God to share the good news. We, We need to go to God to be able to heal the sick or to raise the dead to see and build and see God's kingdom grow, then we are never going to be able to do this on our own. We are going to need God's help this morning. We need God's help. I don't know about you, but I need God's help in my everyday life. I need his, 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 his wisdom, I need his insight, I need his power, I need his love, I need his grace, I need his forgiveness, I need his righteousness. We do. Secondly, the second thing that we're going to, uh, going to do, second thing we're going to do is we are going to go together. We are, this is a daring faith thing. We are daring to go in faith. Well, we're going to go together. We are going to go together. We're not going to go on our own. We are actually better together. We need each other. Here's something I've noticed when I read the, the Gospels. Jesus never, ever sent anyone out alone. He sent them out two by two or in groups, but he never sent anyone out alone. Neither will we. We won't do things on our own. One of the cultures of this church is that we do things by team. It's together. We are better together. We are stronger together. There's three things that we need to understand or three reasons why we join together and that we cooperate. Number one, because life's tough. I don't know if you've noticed, life's tough. Acts 14 verse 22, we see that Paul and Barnabas strengthened the disciples and encouraged them to remain true to the faith, reminding them that we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. People say, come to Jesus and all your troubles will be over. That's a load of rubbish. Don't believe that. Don't don't say that to people because it's not true. 
When we come to Jesus, troubles aren't over, but we've got someone who's stronger than us who can walk us through it. Isn't that true? That's why I've got to go to God. I need God, but I also need to go together. We need to go together. Life's tough. It just is. So we need each other in tough times for love and support, for sometimes just someone to sit there and cry with us. We need someone who can walk through life with us. We need each other, so we need to stay together. Second reason that we need to do things together is because good is always opposed by evil. Philippians chapter 1 verse 27 through to chapter 2 verse 2 says, I want you to hear, I want to hear you are working together and you are struggling side by side. You can't do that alone. You can't do that alone unless you're standing next to a mirror. We need to stand side by side with people alongside of us. To get others to believe the good news, it says. Don't be intimidated by those who who oppose you. You've been given not only the privilege of trusting in Christ, but also the privilege of suffering for Him. We're in this fight together, the writer says. So keep on loving one another and working together with one heart and one purpose. We need each other because the times are evil. We are in the last days. And evil is going to increase. Sin is going to abound. But praise God, where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. And we do that together. We can stand side by side, strong in the face of temptation, strong in the face of opposition, strong in the face of evil. One person can't make the government change its mind, but together we can stand up for righteousness and the truth of what the Bible says about how our society should be structured. Amen that one. We need to to know that we can do this together because there is always going to be evil that opposes good. We go together so we can watch each other's back and protect it, not stick a knife in it. Who said that? We need to build one another up, encourage one another, not gossip about each other. I've got your back. Third reason, because we can afford to do more together. 3 John 1 verse 8 says, We must support believers who go on trips like this so we can work together with them in spreading the truth. We go together, we maximize our effectiveness, we multiply our resources and we magnify our God together. Three reasons that we need to support and go together as a church. Amen? The third thing that we're going to go and do, okay, this is a really deep one. We are going to mature. We are going to grow up. We're going to grow up. We only grow when our faith is stretched and tested. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1 says, let's leave the basic teachings about Christ and go on to maturity. Having a daring faith that says, you know what? I'm going to make it through this. I'm going to be stretched in this. I'm going to be challenged in this, but I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep going with others and I'm going to keep going with God. 
I'm going to continue to go. I'm going to grow. I'm going to mature. I'm going to grow up. 2 Peter 1.8 says, the more you go on in this way, the more you will grow strong. Who wants to grow strong? Who wants to grow strong spiritually? And become fruitful and useful. Who wants to be fruitful and useful? We do, don't we? There's this desire in us to want our lives to leave a legacy. We want to know that our life has meaning. The way that we have meaning, the way that we we can have meaning is, is by growing strong spiritually and being fruitful and useful for God in His kingdom. But we do that by having a determination, by having an intentionality to deliberately say, I'm going to grow through this. I'm going to learn through this. I'm going to ask myself, if I get upset, why am I upset? We sit down and analyze it. Why do I feel that way when that person says that to me? Too often we're in such a rush and we don't give our spirit time to grow and to learn and to expand by simply asking ourselves, why did I react like that? The sad thing is some people are afraid to grow up, to have their faith stretched, to trust God in every area. We feel that it's just enough just to make it to heaven. I've given my life to Jesus. I've, accept, I've prayed the prayer. I've got my ticket in. But there's no further determination to develop our character, to develop our internal world to the degree that God wants us to outwork His plan for our lives to see those things fulfilled. And I believe that God is wanting us in this day and this age to step up to the plate and to start to hit some runs. I believe God is calling us as a church to grow up, to mature, to have a, a, a faith that's daring enough to say, I'm going to go and I'm going to grow. Some people miss the benefit of having a daring faith. 2 Peter 1 verse 9 says, anyone who fails to go after these additions to faith is blind or very short-sighted and has forgotten God delivered us from the old life of sin so now we can live a strong, good life for the Lord. We are going to go on a journey of taking people through what we call a growth track. We are currently developing this. It's under development right now. And you'll hear more about it as we go through the Four Cups series in, over the next few weeks and months ahead. But we believe that people need to be saved. We believe that people need to be delivered. We, need, we believe that people that, uh, are going to be restored. Being restored simply means being brought back to the original intention and purpose that God created us for. And we also believe that God has created us to live a life that is fulfilled. To be saved means to get out of Egypt. To be delivered is not just about being delivered from demons and, and, uh, and evil spirits and stuff. To be delivered actually means to get Egypt out of us. But I'll leave it there. That was a teaser for the Four Cup series. So this morning, we must all ask ourselves, are we willing and ready to grow up? 
to have our faith stretched and tested so that we can trust God in every area of our lives. Because the reality is, if you, are, you, know, if you, if you feel God is asking you to do something, but then you say, well, I'm not sure about that, that's not trusting. <laughs> Fourthly, the fourth thing that we're going to go and do is that we are going to go and tell people the good news. Let's say that together. We are going to go and tell people the good news. I am going to go and tell people the good news. We're going to do that using every means available at every opportunity to reach every one. We're going to make a difference. We're going to make an impact, to make history and grow the body of Christ. The body of Christ is not on a diet. The body of Christ needs to be in a feeding frenzy and growing, healthy, wisely. Romans 10 verse 13 to 15 says, anyone who asks the Lord for help will be saved. But before people can trust in the Lord, they must believe in him. And before they can believe in him, they must hear about him. And to hear about him, someone must go and tell. Everyone say that, go and tell. We've got to go and tell. We've got to go and tell them. And before someone can go and tell them, he must be sent. It is written, how beautiful is the person who comes to bring good news. Well, I want to tell you this morning that Jesus has given the commission to us. He has given us the authority and the power to go and to tell. We are the sent ones. We are the sent ones. You don't need to wait for your gold card to come through the post. You don't need to sign the back of that card to say, okay, I'm in. You're in. You've been sent. We've been sent. I've been sent. It's our responsibility to use whatever method or means that we can, given our context, to be able to go and to tell people the good news. And again, we're not doing this in our own power. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be given my power and you are to go and be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Can I say that the proof of filling is that we are going? The proof that we've been filled with the Holy Spirit and that we're using what God's given us correctly is that we are actually going and being those witnesses that God has commissioned us to be. Come on, church. We're talking about the salvation of souls. We're talking about people coming into eternity, into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Can someone get excited about that? That's, this is why we exist as a church. We're not here to pat ourselves on the back, to have our own little glory session. We're here to win people to Jesus. This next verse may seem very callous to you this morning, but you need to understand that this verse is, is, has an, uh, an emphasis of exaggeration and it's not meant to be taken literally. Okay? 
That is the proviso that I now say this verse for you, okay? So this is the verse, Luke chapter 9, verse 60. Jesus said this, okay? It's in red, so it means Jesus has said this. He says, let people who are dead bury the dead. Your job is to go and tell others about the kingdom of God. I won't elaborate. That's you. You can take that as you want. See, some jobs anyone can do. Anyone can do some jobs. But there are some things only spiritually alive people can do. There are some things only spiritually alive people can do. Matthew 28, verses 19 to 20. Jesus says, All power and authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go to all people in every nation and make them my disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and then teach them to do everything I've told you to do, and I will be with you always. In other words, we're to replicate that process. We're to go and to tell, to reveal Jesus to people. They make a decision for Jesus. We take them through the process of discipleship or the growth track that we're talking about and we help them to then have, after having had their own encounter with Jesus, to then be equipped to go and actually help others to encounter Jesus for themselves. That's how the kingdom grows. That's how generations start to come into a longevity and having a legacy of being Christians in, the, in their, their particular families. That's why we have a children's ministry, because we want our children to encounter God. It's not a babysitting thing that happens so that you've got to sit here in the message and can listen to the service, you know, this sermon without anything else. It, we've got a deliberate thing happening with our children's ministry. That's why Christian schools exist sometimes, or most times, Christian schools. I've just, I've just looked at Shane and I thought, he's got a heart and a desire that throughout their school uh, framework, with the, the school that he works in, to, to give kids and parents and teachers an encounter with God. They want to, these kids to grow up knowing about Christ. They want he, the, these kids to encounter Christ. I hear wonderful testimonies that come out of their school about their devotional times, how, how staff and teachers come together and they centered around the Word of God. They pray together. That to me sounds like these, there's a, a, a culture within that school that says that they wanted these people to encounter Jesus. Shouldn't a church want to do that just as much? If we're spiritually alive, then it's our job to go and to tell people about Jesus. Are you okay with this morning? Because I, I'm, I'm, I feel this in my spirit. I feel this in my heart. I feel that there is a step up that God is asking us to do. He, he's, he's calling the shots. He's drawing a line in the sand. You know what? You, we've heard about this long enough. Now it's time to go. We've got a connections playgroup that is going to some families in our, in our community uh, and helping the, the, uh, these, uh, these parents with their children. These kids are coming into an environment, an anointed environment. The community garden is up and running. We're, we're having incredible uh, influence within the community through the community garden. Only this week, Gina had a conversation with the Parkinson's group who come in and use the church. That she was able to talk about the vision and the, the connection that we're trying to make with the community garden based around the, the, the whole thing about Jesus. 
There's going to be articles that are going to be written in newspapers because of that conversation. Gina went. The playgroup is going. Jenny is going. We've got to go. This is the place we come together for a corporate time of praise and worship, to be encouraged, to be inspired, to be motivated to do what God wants us to do. But then we've got to go. So let's look at some specific ways that we can grow, sow, and go in daring faith. That's the three words you'll need to grow, sow, and to go in daring faith. Why do I need to grow, sow, and go? Because here's, 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 what if we stopped as a church when we had 10 people in the church? How many people would not be here today if we only stopped at 10? No, 10's enough. 10's the number that God gave us. That's all we're going to do. What about if we stopped at 50? Then we excluded everybody else. What about if we stopped at 100? Whilst there are empty chairs in this building, whilst there is empty slots in a time frame on a Sunday or during the week, where we could have multiple services. I will not stop. Until every chair is filled, until we are doing multiple services, then we'll just move to a bigger building. Whilst there are unsaved people in our community who don't know Jesus, not just Mount Barker, but the Adelaide Hills, not just the Adelaide Hills, but through the wider metropolitan area of Adelaide where we could partner together with other churches who are a part of the kingdom of God to grow them, to fill them. This is not just about infused church. This is the kingdom of God we're talking about filling. Luke 14, 23 says, Urge anyone you find to come so that my house will be full. John 4, 23 says, The Father is actively seeking people who will worship him. Here's the truth. God's house is not full and there's still people not engaged in worshipping God in freedom. So we've got to continue to do what we do. So here's some specific ways that we can grow in daring faith. Number one, volunteer and serve in one of the ministry expressions here. Through the playgroup, through our children's ministry, the youth, the community garden, through our admin area, hospitality, worship, frontline. Maybe something God's got uh, and put on your heart, such as gardening and maintenance, reaching out to people who can't do those things for their, themselves. I'm already having conversations with the mental health uh, community, mental health people up here about us putting together a team of people that could go out for three hours on a Saturday morning and just help someone who's not, not able to do those things for themselves just hasn't got the mental capacity to be able to, to just find the space to do that. They, go, they look out of their, their lounge room window, they see their garden in disarray. It, it starts to exacerbate, to, to compound their feeling of depression, their feeling of darkness. We could alleviate that by three people going in there on a Saturday morning for three hours and giving them that time to tidy up their yard that they can look out there and they can see a great looking lawn. But that's not winning people to Jesus. No, but it's sure sharing the love of Jesus. And who knows what could happen as a result of that? Why not join a ministry expression? 
Romans 15 verse 6, then you uh, will all be joined together and you'll give glory to God. Here's another way. Another way that we can use to specifically grow in faith. Use your skills, your experience to lead a connect group, a small group, to help others get connected to God and to each other in the framework of a small group. Why would we do that? Matthew 5 verse 13 says the church is to equip God's people to do his work and build the body of Christ. There are people here, and I'm, I'm just going to, can I just say it? Is that all right? Can, Jane said yes, so I'm going to go for it. Okay? There are people here that have been Christians a long, long time, and you need to be teaching You need to be leading. You need to be invested. I love you with all my heart, but I'm just telling you the truth. It's time to get in the game. We've been sitting on the fence long enough. We've been on the reserve bench long enough. It's time to get in the game. You've been training. You've been doing stuff. God's saying you're ready. You're never going to be more ready than you're ready now. We're going to help you. We're not going to chuck you in the deep end and then just walk away. I'll get in the deep end with you. Two Timothy two two says, "Take the teaching you've heard from me and now teach it to other reliable people who will be able to teach it to others also." God said, "There's a responsibility to pass on what we get. Freely we have received. Freely give." Are you okay with this? I mean, I love you, church, but I'm getting a lot of blank stares. Are you okay? Engage? Yep, cool. Praise God. Soon find out how many people download this podcast, won't we? <laughs> it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Here's another specific way that we can grow in daring faith. When we complete this growth track, come on the journey with us. Come on the journey of going through this growth track with us. Find out what it means to be saved. Find out what it means to be delivered. Find out what it means to be uh, brought into restoration. Find out what it means to live a life of fulfillment. Find out about our vision as a church. Find out about our mission as a church. We're revamping this whole thing, this whole area of our church. It's taking time. So I'm going to talk about it, but I'm going to use it as like a, a bait, a teaser, When we actually launch this and get this up and running, people are going to say, finally, we can actually do this because he's been just banging on about it for absolutely years. I pray it doesn't take years, but you know what? We just need to do this. But then as you have determined to go on that growth track with us, why not bring someone on the journey as well? Why don't you take one of the areas for the growth track and say, you know what? I'm going to take responsibility during this particular month and I'm going to teach this. I'm going to help Pastor Gary and the team to get this out and the word out. I'll just stick it out there for whatever you want to do. Because you know what? People need to understand the culture of the church. People need to understand that we are God-centered, that we are uh, uh, real. We do real. We are soul winners. We may not be right now, but we're prophetically speaking into being that we are a soul-winning church. I'm tired of looking at the same books and the same Bibles, the same packs that we have to give out to, to new Christians under my chair without them ever being given out on a Sunday. We need to see those go. We need to see people's lives come into a, a reality of a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. 
These are resources that we've got and need to be using. We want people to go on the journey of partnership, not membership. Because membership says, well, I'm just going to get all the benefits of being a member. But partnership says, I've got a responsibility to build the house of God too. These are the things we want to install and, and to, to, to deliberately work on as a church. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 2 to 3 says this. God answers. So God says this. This is what God says to, to people today. He says, write this. Write what you see. Write it out in big block letters so it can be read on the run. This vision message is a witness pointing to what's coming. It aches for the coming. It can hardly wait. It doesn't lie. It, if it seems slow in coming, and it does a little bit, but wait. It's on its way. It will come at the right time, on time. Here's another way that we can specifically grow in daring faith. Help us to reach the people of Mount Barker, the Adelaide Hills, South Australia and to the uttermost parts of the world. Help us reach out to Muslim people in the Middle East. Help us to connect with the the Jews in Israel as we partner together with uh, Pastor Keith and Trixie Buxton as they come and and they do that seminar. Find out about the people of Israel. What is... uh, there's so much about the end time stuff that you know we need to understand that there is something God's saying about Jesus being seen in the people of Israel. And we need to understand what that... Why are we doing the Passover? Because we want to see Jesus in the Passover. Psalm 2 says, verse 8, If you ask me, I will give you the nations. All the people on earth will be yours. And here's the last one. The specific thing that we can do to grow in faith. To go in faith. I want to challenge you to accept a personal daring faith goal this morning. This is what I want us all to commit to seeing happen in all of our lives. Here's the goal. Here's the challenge. I will pray and trust God to give me the privilege of leading one person to Christ in the next three years. I will help them to be baptized in water, filled with the Holy Spirit, and to go on the journey of our growth track. In other words, discipleship, what we're talking about. You know, if everyone did this, we would grow and reach 100% more people. Why? Because Matthew 25 verse 40 says, The Son of Man has come to seek out and to give life to those who are lost. Church, daring faith begins today. I challenge us all to pick an area that will stretch our faith this morning. Just how will we grow, sow, and go in daring faith? If you're ready to take the greatest step of faith in your life, then I want you to stand with me right now. And let's pray to God that He would speak to us about stepping out in daring faith. Will you join me this morning? Let's step out. Let's pray. Whatever you need to pray. But let's start to cry out to God. Show me an area that I need to stretch in my faith. Show me ways that I can actually start to see these things happen in my life. Show me an area of responsibility, an area of ministry or serving that you want me to become a part of, Lord God. Lord, I don't want to be a seat warmer anymore. I don't want to be a spectator. I want to be a participator in what you want to do. I want to put a team jersey on and I want to start to play for the team. I want to start to put the ball forward into the people that can start to score 
before the goal. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, would you speak to us? Would you speak to us all? Speak to me, Father, about the ways that I can reach out to my community. Would you speak to me about the way that I can connect people with you this morning? Would you speak to me about the things that you're wanting me to involve myself in? Come on, church, start to pray. Come on, start to cry out to God this morning about what He wants you to do, how He wants you to be involved in the, in the things of the, building the kingdom of God. So, Father, speak to us all. Lord, that we would start to articulate what it is that you want us to do. We'd be able to write it down, to run with it, so that we can do what it is that you're asking us to do. Father, I thank you right now that there are people who are crying out. There are people who are hungry to be used. They're, they're, they're wanting to get into the game, Lord God. They're wanting to see a difference being made. They're wanting to see you change this community so that it becomes known as a place where your spirit moves and, and hovers and, and changes lives, Lord God. Father, speak to us all I pray in the mighty name of Jesus in the mighty name of Jesus this morning in the mighty name of Jesus just as every head's bowed every eye closed I don't know everybody here this morning I don't know where you